Welcome to the Rider Dojo. Your host, Diamond. I'm here. And Mary Korea. Ahoy, mateys. <laughs> intellectual property. Welcome back to the Rider Dojo, everyone. We're glad to have you back with us. Today, we are going to talk about something that both Larry and I have done. Now, Larry's done it more than I have, obviously. Um, and he's also done it from two different perspectives. And that's um, the idea of writing in other IPs. Yep. This is one where uh, this is the uh, people ask, well, how do I write a novel for Star Wars or Star yeah. Trek or? Well, if you write it for Star Wars, all you have to do is be crap. <laughs> that's yeah. these days. Well, man, that's, well, we'll talk about that more later. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll go into that. Yeah. Because honestly, but IP writing just means that somebody else holds the rights to the universe. They are allowing you to. They, they have asked you to write in that. This is not fan fiction. This right. is a paying gig. Uh, this could be anything from, you know, game companies. Yep. This could be uh, comic book tie-ins. This could be movie tie-ins, TV tie-ins. Uh, anything of that nature is IP writing. Or, you know, or other people or other authors, universes, tie-ins. Yeah. Or exactly where you've gotten asked to write a story in another author's universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so for this episode, I have done IP writing for ver- other various franchises that belong to other people. And I've done IP writing where, uh, I am the IP holder and I've paid other people to write in my universes, mm-hmm. like Monster Hunter specifically. Right. Now this is, I, I think my first experience to this, and I don't know if this, I don't know if this was your first experience to it. Was, was War Machine your first experience doing this? I, or roundabouts? Uh, one of my earlier ones. I think, yeah. I, I think I'd done some other tie-ins for short stories for anthologies mm-hmm. for other universes. Uh, I'd have to look, but I think it might've been pretty close. Yeah. That was my first experience as well. Um, now when it comes to these things, Larry, what's, what are some of the benefits and what are some of the, um, let's call it the not so beneficial things of doing these. Well, the thing, the thing about IP writing is, um, the biggest thing is, uh, people, people are always asking like, how do I get into this? And and first off, the, the, one of the things, the downside is you don't really get into it. They come to you. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, for me, well, for you, you were playing the game. Uh, Oh yeah. You're playing war machine. I'll, I'll just, I'll specifically talk about War Machine. Oh, um, in that case, what happened there was I was already a best-selling author. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already had a career. I already had a lot of fans. Uh, and it was an internet forum and they were talking about, hey, you guys should just bundle up your fan fiction and sell it. Yeah. And uh, I was like, and so I jumped in on this internet forum. So like, no, 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 no. That's like the worst. What you were suggesting is like the plague. That is the worst thing ever. Don't do that. I was like, I am, a, I am an author. Let me explain to you how IP writing actually works. And yeah. I knew this. Oh, so no, they weren't the first. I had actually done some other stuff first. That's how I knew about this. Oh, okay. Who did I do for? I can't remember now. But it doesn't matter. But So I explained how it works. And then the, the, that company contacted me. And they go, wait, you play our game? Well, they knew right. who I, I was. Yeah. And I came back. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, you read my books? You're like, yeah. I was like, 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 yay scorn. Yay scorn. Do you want to write something for us? Okay. That's, and that's how that started. Right. Um, so the thing is, the hardest thing about IP writing is, A, getting into it, you already have to be established as an author. The odds of somebody hiring you to just write for them and it's the first thing out the gate you've ever done, uh, that almost never happens. Yeah. I, for me, the the way I got into it was, you know, I, I, grabbed, I grabbed firmly 
onto Larry's coattails. <laughs> and yeah. I held on for dear life. Well, because what happened was they were standing up their own fiction line at the yeah. time. They were expanding that into outside of game stuff and actual books and anthologies and that kind of thing. And so I, they were desperate for looking for good quality authors. And I introduced them to probably five or six other authors that also had played yeah. this game and were familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so right out the bat, it was a handy thing for them to, to meet a bunch of authors yeah. really quick and hire them. Um, now a note on IP writing, the IP holder is going to look at your portfolio. They're going to go read your books. And I say, is this dude a good fit to write for our brand? Mm-hmm. And if they like you, then they will give you a contract and a specific thing to write for them. Uh, but you don't ever, ever, ever just write something for an IP and say, yo, hey, Star Trek, you know, you want to you wanna buy this from me? Yeah, we, we talked about that a little bit in, in our, our last Q&A session about the idea of writing fan fiction and how IP holders in general, they're, well, in mass, they're not going to go read that stuff. Yeah, they're not going to even open. They're not going. If you send no. them a file, they're not going to open it. If you no. mail them a manuscript, they're going to return it unopened. Yeah, absolutely. Because what happens is we talked about this last episode, but that invites them up to lawsuits if they later use an idea that is in your thing just by you know happenstance. Uh, that that enables you to sue them for ripping you off. This is why they won't touch it with a ten foot pole. Yeah. Now the the cool thing about you know, being, being invited in that specific scenario was I got to write some cool stuff for them, um, for privateer press. And, and I was really excited about it. Um, the, for me, I was a new guy. I was really, really new. And so that was, that was cool for me to be able to, you know, write some of this fiction and get into this new world and, um, you know, kind of learn some of the different rules and stuff that they had. Um, the negative was since I was the new guy, um, they didn't have to treat me very well. Um, I remember your, your first, uh, your, your first novel into the storm, right. Yeah. That you wrote for them. Yeah. Remember that the opposite side of that story and that conflict, mm-hmm. I wrote that. You did. And it never got published. And it never got published. It was really good too. Yeah. It was all from the point of view of the Menoth characters and mm-hmm. the daughters of flame specifically. Um, and I wrote this story, um, well, it, people don't realize one of my main characters in that book dies off screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just hear of his death later. His death was in Steve's book. Yeah. That was the whole point of it. Um, and, and they were initially all keen on it. Um, you know, um, in that, that whole process was a little weird. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a discovery writer, but they had me outline the ever living crap out of the story because they need to review your story line by line outline line by line to make sure that you're within the confines of the story Bible that they have in place. Right. And I remember giving them the outline. They sent it back to me. I changed it according to their needs, gave them the outline again. They sent it back to me again. I made more changes, get it back. We, we do this several times. Um, you know, and, and the funny thing is for a world like war machine, it had been around for a decade. So it had tons and tons of story Bible, Um, and, you know, and we talk a little bit about the importance of that in our, in one of our episodes where we were talking about, um, uh, canon and consistency. Now, by the time it finished, um, they, they sent me back my final approved, um, uh, outline. I think this thing was like, this outline was like 15 or 20 pages. It was ridiculous. 
and they sent it back to me and they said, Hey, cool. Yeah, we're good to go. Um, so, uh, you're going to have this to us by deadline, right? And I looked and deadline was five days away. And this was a novella. It was 30,000 words. And I'm like, um, well, no, you guys just approved it. They said, yeah, that doesn't matter. So again, would they have done that to Larry? Probably not. Well, I would have just said no. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But for me, again, I was, I was a, a, a brand new writer and, and they knew that and they knew that they could take advantage of that. And, and I was, uh, very eager to please. And I just wanted to, I desperately wanted to have more stuff published. And so I said, well, okay. Happened to be a 4th of July weekend. And I wrote that entire novella in two days. And I read it. It was good. Yeah, it was really good. I sent it to them. They had some, they had, they wanted me to revise some stuff. I revised it. And then, um, right around that time, I, to be honest, I'm not sure what happened. I, I'm still not sure what happened to this day. Why, why they didn't, um, why they didn't publish it. No idea. Um, so it's just sitting there. Um, but anyway, so you see there's, there's good and bad when it comes to, to writing in, in an IP. Well, and the bigger the IP too, the more, um, more corporate mercenary it's yeah. going to be. Yeah. Like, uh, so, and it's interesting too, cause it, it, some of them like, okay, so that is an IP that they like, they lock down, like they're very meticulous on what they allow. There's other IPs, um, that are very, very loose. I've heard the Pathfinder one's pretty loosey goosey. Yeah, actually, I got invited to do one of those a long time ago, mm-hmm. and I never, but I never played Pathfinder, so right. I never got back to them. But um, there was, it was interesting because there was, uh, I've done for, I've done Aliens, and I've done Predator, you know, right. so two of the biggest franchises of the 1980s. Yeah. And in that case, what it is, is they, uh, they were putting together anthologies where they, the, the studio had a deal with a publishing house, and the publishing house hired an editor. That editor goes out and finds writers that they think would be a good fit for that universe. And obviously, with something like Aliens or Predator, you have no shortage of authors who are familiar with it. Uh, it's not an obscure thing. It's like right. one of the most mainstream, mainstream IPs there is. Um, and in uh, those, you have to, you know, you get hired to do it. And the hardest thing on that is I, I did a whole bunch of homework to make sure I was doing everything right. And, st- and what I discovered is some of this Hollywood stuff, there is like zero continuity because every time they have a new movie come out with a new director, that director just throws out everything that came before and just does whatever. And so Alien was like, oh my gosh, I there was like no consistency. Uh, but it was fun. I got to write the history of the M41 Pulse Rifle, which was hilarious. Yeah. Everybody else was so it was a, it was an Aliens franchise about Colonial Marines, the, and everybody else was pitching all these stories. I want to do Hudson. I want to do Hicks. I want to do a Pone. You know, I, you know, looking in my eye. You know, it's like all this cool stuff. Yeah. And it kept to me. It's like, what's your pitch, Larry? It's like I want to do a future Tales of the Gun TV show episode about the history and development of the M41 Pulse Rifle. And the editor's like, what? And I go, trust me, it'll be awesome. And, be, and one nice thing about as your career goes on and you're a little bit famous and you've pulled off a lot of crazy stuff, you get a little more leeway even with IP writing. And they're like, yeah, go for it, I guess. And I did. And it was yeah. baller. It came out great. Well, and the good thing from the editor standpoint, I'm, I, I've edited collections, you've edited collections. And the good thing about that is when someone approaches you with an idea like that and they're a known quantity, yeah. you just kind of go, well, cool. I mean, I mean, it's definitely not going to be like anything else in the collection. Yeah. I, I remember I, I wrote for this one collection, um, uh, about giant robots 
And everyone in the, uh, look, when you write for a collection about giant robots, you know what all the stories are going to be about. They're about giant robots playing rock'em, rock'em, sock'em robots oh, yeah. with giant monsters. Heck yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I've written those. You've written those. Um, but when it came to me, I'm like, yeah, but that's not me. And so I sat down, I went, okay, well, what should I write then? And I ended up writing, you know, single white female meets Pacific Rim where a, where a giant robot basically becomes sentient and starts stalking a girl that lives inside of it because it's me <laughs> now. And, and, and because of that, um, I got invited into another anthology where they wanted something very, very different. And I mean, similar in that tone, but very different, what well, would turn out to be very different um, for other stories. So to your point, yeah, I mean, having been an editor and having, having had my stories edited, there's something to be said about being the guy, if you're a known quantity for sure, being the person that can go in there and say, look, I can do this thing and this story will not sound like all the other stuff, but it will be consistent to what you're asking for. And, and I think that that was one of the, um, you know, the, one of the, my stories that did get published by, uh, by privateer press, I, they asked me to write this story. Well, I, I pitched them to write this story about a character named Darton Vilman, who you, you remember your, your war machine history. He's basically the only good person in Menoff. Um, he's like the, the actual good paladin. Yeah. He was actually the paladin. It was a paladin. Uh huh. Instead of being just a fanatical, maniacal murderer person in plate mail, um, which is basically everything else I write. Anyway. So I pitched them the story and I said, look, this is what I want to do. I want it to be this, this long retreat, this horrific retreat. Everything is constantly attacking them. It's a horror story. Da, 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 da. And they kind of looked at me and they went, uh, okay. I mean, give us an outline. So I gave them the outline. That outline was like 5,000 words for a short story. And they accepted it and everything. And I wrote that story and it's, and it's really well reviewed by them, which is, again, I'm very confused why they didn't take the other one that was also meant off, but whatever. Anyway, there, there is something to be said about one. Um, you you kind of have to know the IP that you're writing for. So you have to know what that audience is for like who is that audience yeah we'll talk about after the break what happens when you get people writing for your ip that, that don't. don't know yeah there's some there's some examples out there once again we try not to name names so we'll be a little vague well some of these they deserve it well but this one one of the cases that, that you're talking about it directly impacted us to our benefit later. That's true, actually. Yeah, that, that is true. Um, yeah, we'll yeah. tell that story. Yeah. Okay, look, we're, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back. We're going to tell you the story of, of how Servants of War came to be. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. The war between Al Nasia and the Empire of Kolokovia is in its hundredth year. Casualties grow on both sides as the conflict leaves no corner of the world untouched. Valerian Glaskov's quiet life on the fringes of the Empire is thrown into chaos when an impossible tragedy strikes his village. When he is conscripted into the Tsarist military, he is sent to serve in The Wall, an elite regiment that pilots suits of armors made from the husks of dead goblins. But the Great War is not the only, or even the worst, danger facing Valerian as he is caught in a millennia-old conflict between two goddesses. He must survive the ravages of trench warfare, horrific monsters from another world, and the treacherous internal politics of the country he serves. New military fantasy from Master of Horror Steve Diamond 
and international bestseller, Larry Korea. On sale March 1st, 2022 on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Pick up or reserve your copy today. And welcome back to the Writer Dojo. Now, what we want to do, we want to tell you a little story about how writing for an IP um, kind of went south on us, but turned out to be in our benefit. Um, and I'm not sure that we've actually told this story. I don't think we before. told it on the show. I don't think so. Um, there's a few people that know it. Actually, not that many people know this story. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so background, I had written two novels for War Machine. I'd written the short story. Uh, Into the Storm, Into the Wild. Mm-hmm. And I also wrote a novella and I wrote like four short stories. Yeah. And you and I were at Gen Con and we were talking with a guy named Lou Anders. And Lou at the time was the head editor for a, a, a company called Pyre. Pyre. Yep. They were, um, man, Pyre was, a, was a, back in its heyday, they were a really cool publisher. Um, Lou was great. He he was taking a lot of stuff from that was super popular or was up and coming over in Europe, uh, England, and he was bringing it stateside. He's the guy who brought Joe Abercrombie to the States. It's Lou Anders. So that, that should give you an idea of how important Pyre was for a minute there. Um, now, somehow, and I don't know how, I mean, Lou's a big time gamer. So I, I wonder if this is how it came down. But um, Privateer Press approached Lou or maybe Lou approached them, I'm not sure, to get a license for writing War Machine novels. Yeah, and these were going to be widely, because the other ones we'd done so far had just been like limited distribution, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. This would be wide distribution, like so yeah. at every Barnes & Noble and that yeah, kind of every thing. bookstore. And um, they they put one together. Um, my gosh, I can't remember what that novel's called. Anyway, it's about some gun mage doing things. Um, anyway, the reason I'm a little dismissive of it is because, um, Larry and I actually, we read that book, um, and it seemed obvious to us that the person who wrote it didn't actually know how the game worked, um, and didn't understand the world in the slightest. Or if they did, they certainly didn't go through the editing process that we did. Right. So that book came out. We were meticulous. Right. Well, that book came out, um, and I don't know how well it did, but they'd already commissioned a sequel. They gave it to uh, some other author. Um, I'm not going to name his name. I know his name. I'm not going to name it. Um, I just don't feel like it. I don't feel like giving him any more attention than he than he has. I don't remember this guy. So they give him this. They give him uh, the thing, and, and they give him an advance. And you know, we've talked about advances and stuff like that. They gave him an advance, and he wrote an outline and gave it to him. Gave it to to Pyre and to Privateer Press. And they read over the outline and it was trash. It was absolute trash. Had nothing to do with the world. It wasn't consistent with the first book, which also wasn't consistent with the world. So it was, I mean, I mean, if, if, if the first book was baseball, this one was like curling. I mean, it was, it was way the crap out there. It made no sense. Um, and they asked the author to, to finish it, to fix it. And, and he said, no. And walked away, skipping into the night with the advance. I mean, Larry and I pride ourselves on our professionalism, and we talk about it quite a bit. Yeah. This is the antithesis of being professional. Yeah, not yeah. That's just not good. So Larry and I are at Gen Con. Um, we're you know we we love we love walking the floor at Gen Con, um, impulse buying everything that we see, 
And we were there. And after the, you know, in, in the evenings, you end up hanging around a bunch of other gamers and authors and stuff like that. And we were chilling with Lou, with Lou Anders. Um, I don't remember where. It was some little party or something. And he came up to you. And I remember him saying, hey, Larry, um, you think you could, uh, you know, maybe write something for us? And you're like, well, I don't, I, I don't know. It depends on what you want. He said, well, we're doing, you play War Machine, right? I'm like, yeah. Well, we need you to write, we want you to write this, this, it's the second book in a series. And I remember you saying, I was standing there with you and you said, well, I don't know that I really have time for that. I think, cause I think, uh, I'm pretty sure you were still uh, at the contractor with me at that point. Well, and also too, my career, that was in the period where my career had really taken off. And so at that point, IP writing was no longer yeah. lucrative for me. Mm -hmm. And, and you said, but, um, what I can do is I could grab this guy right here and you pointed at me and said, and we could write it, we could plan it and write it together. Um, and Lou was like, yeah, this sounds great. So um, fast forward a few months, um, I run into Lou at Worldcon, the last Worldcon I ever went to. Um, and I ran into him there and talked with him about it and, and he seemed jazzed. Um, and then after that, we, you know, we started going through the process of planning it out. Yeah, we wrote a pretty extensive outline. Pretty huge outline. I remember we were going through um, all the source books for the war game and for the role-playing game. Came up with a really good story. Mm -hmm. I was really really pleased with. Yeah, and, and it had to tie into using characters from the, that first book that was written by some other dude. Which, that was actually the worst parts because mm -hmm. I really didn't like that book. No. Well, neither did I. So we, it, it just wasn't great. But anyway, we went through and we were like, okay, well, if we have to, we're going to make it cool. And we went through, we were doing all this stuff. We were referencing um, like page and paragraph number to the editors and stuff so that they could see where our brains were at. You know, we went back and forth a few times and, and we were going to write this book. We were going to write this book for, for Pyre and for, um, and for Privateer Press. And then, I'm, you know, to this day, I'm still not really sure. I have how, no how, idea what happened. What happened. Um, I, I think at that point, Lou Anders wanted to leave and go just be a writer himself. Yeah, I think, I think Lou bailed. And, and so he, he basically left Pyre. And This is just uh, guesswork on my part. Yeah. I don't really, I just don't have any, I don't know. No, there, there's no, there's no evidence here. This is all circumstantial. Um, wouldn't hold up in court, uh, so to speak. And, and so for, at that point, um, it just died. Yeah. And so it just, it just croaked and, uh, the project just died and we didn't hear anything else from anybody. And we were sitting on this like really awesome outline for years. There was, a, there was an original story that we like, came up. It was all new characters in their world. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we sat on this outline and it was like, oh, well, that project's dead. Yeah, it was we, like four or five years, I think. Yeah. We just, we moved on with life and we were doing other stuff. And then, um, and then actually what it was is Tony Weisskopf came and asked me if I had any more collaborations I wanted to do. And at the time I pitched two to her, one became Gunrunner and the other was with Steve. And uh, I pitched this one and I said, well, what I want to do is like, just like I've told you guys when you write in other people's universes, fan fiction, whatever, um, scrape all the serial numbers off. So we got back together with Steve and I said, hey, you want to do this to, for Bayon? And we would make it our own universe, throw everything out. Yeah. So, yeah. This was via text. So what we did Larry, is... Larry sends me a text. Yeah. Hey, uh, Tony wants more books. I'm thinking of pitching her these two, these two uh, kind of ideas and IPs from us. What do you think? And I said, yeah, sure. And then 15 minutes later, he said, yeah, she wants the, 
She wants the totally not war machine one. Well, because what it was is the war machine one took place in their, to- their totally not Russia. Yeah. You know? And so we, we just basically, we kept the totally not Russia part because that's, you know, obvious. Mm. We kept all the stuff that was Slavic folklore. Uh, mm-hmm. that we had, like the Baba Yaga and that kind of thing. Well, yeah, because she's a character there. We can't really copyright the Baba Yaga. <laughs> yeah. no. Otherwise, John Wick would get sued. Yeah, but well, yeah, John Wick would get sued. Plus, it's been around for, you know, thousands of years yeah. of Slavic history. Uh, so what we did, though, is also the beautiful part is we took all the stuff that we hated from oh, we, the... We burned it. Yeah, we burned everything. All the stuff that, that we were bound to do, we just tossed. So we recreated an entirely different setting, an entirely different yeah. years. But what was there from the beginning was we had uh, Ilarion Glaskov. Mm-hmm. Uh, the he hero was, character. Yeah, he was going to be a man of war. Yeah, which was basically a, a big steam in, in that universe was, was like a steam powered fighting armor mm-hmm. suit. Uh, so we ditched that. Uh, plus, you know, so, uh, that, that, which forced us to come up with an entirely new magic system based on yeah. you know using dead dead people using ghosts to power. Yeah. Well, and that was where we we really quickly came to the. Um, I, I think it was one of the very first changes and ideas we came up with is we both really like big robots. Yeah. We wanted to do big robots. And so we said, well, how can we do big robots? Without and doing big robots. Exactly. And, and that's where we came across the whole idea of the golem. Which is when we brought in one of the lost tribes of Israel, because mm-hmm. if you're going to do golems, you might as well go to the source. That's right. And so we, we went through that whole thing and it really, it really only took us maybe a day to completely radically I mean, hardcore scrub the serial numbers off. I mean, at this point, it's night and day. Well, the only thing it really had in common with the original was the, uh, or with the, with the original setting was it's in the pseudo Russian yeah. part of the world. Pseudo Russia and a guy goes in a suit. With, yeah, a guy goes in a suit and there's Slavic folklore. Yeah. Every other character we have in there was, was one we came up yep. with ourselves anyway. Yep. Because any of the other ones, we just deleted them because they didn't work. Yeah. And we came up with better ones. So that was one of those where we went to do IP writing and it turned out it wasn't IP writing, but we had a perfectly good outline and a perfectly good story, actually a really good story really, that we really all wanted to tell. So that's, that's one of those where IP writing kind of went sideways. Yeah. And, and look, you never know. We've um, touched on some of the negatives of IP writing here. Yeah. That's just that you're dealing with a whole another business. It's not you. It is. And, and you have to realize, I think specifically that you don't own that stuff. No. When you write it. There's, um, there's cases where, where some IPs are held more sacred than others. Mm-hmm. Like get us started on some of the new Star Wars novels. Um, oh gosh. There's one in Man. particular that's like, okay, so when they rebooted. I, I grew up, I mean, I grew up reading the now, what do they call it? Uh, the the, le- the legends, universe the legends whatever. of the, ex- whatever. Know. You know, I grew up reading, you know, Timothy Zahn's series and Kevin Anderson's series and stuff. Dave Farland. And, and Dave's, and Dave's stuff. You know, I, I grew up reading those guys, you know, never, never in my wildest dreams anticipated that I'd be buddies with all those guys now. Well, Timothy, Timothy Zahn's, um, his, his trilogy in Star Wars was Oh, it's phenomenal. considered, it's considered sacred. It's so good. It's yeah. really good. No. And it introduced all this great stuff. And so then Disney bought it and then this Disney threw away all those books. Now, to be fair, some of those books, uh, think about IP writing, some are good, some are bad. Oh, there's some bad ones. There's some there. really bad For ones. Sure. Any IP, there's going to be where they bring in good authors and where they bring in bad authors. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of those bad ones. And there was a lot of good ones, but they threw it all out and then they rebooted it and they got an author who we shall not name, who is. 
a I giant would, friggin' dork. Let's I be would, honest. Let's. I'm going to call him a wibbly wobbly author. Yeah. Oh gosh, this guy. Hercule jerkily writing. This guy is a terrible writer, and he's a terrible human being, and he's just awful. <laughs> he's awful to the fans. He's awful to the universe. And they got this guy to write the reboot of this of the world's biggest IP, right? And I don't know why they picked. Well, yeah. I know why they picked him. He was. Good oh, for, I know exactly why. He was. They he was. Social Mr. Social Justice on Twitter, and that was the hotness. So they bring this guy in, and he wrote this just – I tried to read it, um, and it's like literally the worst thing ever. It's um, atrocious. It's atrocious. And so that was one of those where, you know, IP writing just goes sideways. And, of course, when it got negative reviews, this guy, you know, blamed it on his fans being homophobic or, or on the readers being – Star Wars fans are all homophobic because he mm-hmm. had a gay character. Here's the kicker, though. Paul S. Kemp. Paul Kemp. Good writer. Good writer. Talented writer. Had written Star Wars novels before with gay characters. Yeah, no one cares. No one cares. You know why? Because Paul Kemp's a good writer. Yeah. And he's a talented writer who respected the source material. Yep. And here's the thing. I, I mean, I, I've met Paul Kemp and I, I've talked about him on the internet. Me and Paul Kemp differ on literally every political topic in the universe. However, I respect the guy because he is an actual professional good author. Mm-hmm. This other dude. Not no, so much. He's just a terrible author. And I wish they would have gave it to Paul Kemp. He would have did a good job. Well, you know, it, I don't know. It's That is one of the frustrating parts of when you're a reader of, of tie-in fiction. You see so many things out there. You see so many pieces of, of fiction out there. And, and, and some are good and some are just atrocious. And there's, there's part of me, I mean, I, I don't know if I've said this online, but you and I talk about this all the time, like, our, our careers are based entirely on spite. Oh yeah. I've done so much stuff just out of spite. And, and I, I, I see some of the things that these people are doing and I'm going, oh my gosh, like I can, I can throw a dart at a board. Yeah. I can, I can, I can go to a specific writing convention and throw a dart into a crowd and find someone who will do a better job than this. Here's the thing, guys. When you are asked, when you, when you as a writer are given the opportunity to write in someone else's universe... Your, your responsibility is not to deconstruct the universe. No. Your job is not to replace that which came before because that stuff is what made this fandom and this, uh, this franchise what it is. Your job is to do your homework and be respectful to the fans and be respectful to the franchise and its original creators and write something that fits in that vision. Now, you don't have to repeat what's came before. You can do your own thing. You can be creative. You can expand the universe. But ultimately, you have to respect the universe that came before. If you spit on the universe that came before, that is like the worst thing ever. Just, it's just unprofessional. I remember when you approached me to write in the Monster Hunter series. Um, that's probably my, yeah, that's, that's my most recent one, I think. That one paid really good. That one paid amazing. Just no, uh, full disclosure, the Monster Hunter Files anthology is perhaps the best paying anthology I've ever heard of. Oh, it's amazing. In genre, like, I, I don't know of anything else even vaguely. It's, it's crazy. Um, that, that thing is made, most of the, all the writers in that, I think you guys have made equivalent to what most advances for books are. For first books, <laughs> for sure. I, like legit, that. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Monster, um, Monster Hunters, Monster Hunter is money. Yeah. Monster Hunter Files, get it at, on uh, Amazon. Um. I remember you approached me and, and I said, okay, here's, here's the story I want to do. Um, but I was, I, I tried to, um, and, and hopefully, hopefully I was, um, I, I, I tried to come across as like, okay, look, here's the story, but this is your world. 
So if this doesn't work, I need to know. Um, and when you said, yeah, yeah, go ahead and write that story. So the very first thing I did is, is I went and I reread, um, cause I wanted to take, uh, one of the side characters, Guterres. Yeah. I wanted to take one of the side characters and, and, and write a story where he was one of the, um, one of two main characters. Yeah. You did a really good job on that. Well, thanks. Um, I, I think it's a great story. I think it's a great, I think he's a great character. And then the, the other character I created for it, Fideli, um, I think he's a really fun character too. Um, and he's since appeared in two other books. Too. That's right. So he, he must not suck too bad. Yeah. Larry, Larry used him. Um, I went in and I read every piece or I, I reread basically all the monster hunter books at that point. Um, looking for any and every reference to the order of St. Hubert, the protector and, um, you know, everything having to do with, with that order and Guter every single scene with Guterres. And I just went through it all. I did my homework. I reread every single word that, that is referenced at that time. And at that time, um, um, I think Nemesis was the most current book and which is where Guterres shows up for the first time. But I also read all of Alpha again. Because that's where this, the order of St. Hubert the Protector first kind of comes into, into light, right? Through all the chapter bumps. And I went through, I read it all, I wrote it, and I gave it to you. And I was like, okay, look, again, I need to know if this is okay. Yeah. Now, on the opposite side, as the IP holder. Exactly. Uh, this was, and this is actually why there hasn't been a second anthology yet, because it's a lot of work for it's me. Um Putting together this anthology was a lot of work because what happens is I have to go through every single story with a fine tooth comb to make sure that everything in there works or could at least, it's, it's close enough to works that it can be explained by the perception of whoever the narrator is. Because mm -hmm. there's a few stories in there where people are like, well, I don't think that's quite right. Well, and those is because I allowed it because it's, that's how the narrator perceived it. It's not actually, he's not telling you the universal truth. He's telling you what he saw um, or what he thinks he saw. Um, but it's really hard and time consuming for me. So I take a pitch from everybody who's like, I want to do this. I want to do this kind of story. I want to do this kind of story. I got to make sure they're not stepping on each other's toes. I got to make sure everybody's like doing a diverse, uh, you know, selection of different stuff from the universe. You use the dreaded D word. No, but I use diverse in the actual oh, meaning okay. of the word, <laughs> which is ironic too. Everybody talks about diversity, yet that actually was really diverse, except because it, it was in every sense of the word. And really. it wasn't forced. It just no. was what it was. Yep. I hate, I hate those people who's like quantify everything. It's pointless. You know, just make art guys. Just go make fun. Just have fun. Make art. Yep. Um, don't listen to Twitter. And, uh, no, but so when you're the IP holder, man, you got to protect your baby. Mm -hmm. And so I have to go through and I have to approve everything. And then I have to check when you guys are done to make sure everything fits. Now I, I was fortunate in that. I mean, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a fan of the series. Close, so. I'm a fan of the series anyway. And, and you and I, I mean, we, we get together and we talk all the time. So that, that really wasn't a challenge, but what I can imagine is that there were a number of stories that were, um, that had to have some drastic changes. Oh yeah. There was, there was quite a few where I was like, oh, you, that, that's awesome. And I think that's a really cool thing you did. But that's not how this works in this universe. Right. You're going to have to rewrite that. Um, and I had a few of those. And the thing is, though, if you hire professionals for this, uh, then it works out well mm -hmm. because they're all professional. And I actually had a great crew on that on that book. And uh, people turned in some really fantastic stories. Well, and and from the writer's point of view on that, and and I'm sure that you've done this for the IPs that you've written for as well, Larry. And that's, I went into this 
again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to deconstruct anything. No. I went in there like, okay, I've been given the opportunity to write in this IP. I need to make the most of it while I'm in here. Yeah. And so my goal was, okay, Larry's told me that this, that this, this collection has Jim Butcher and Jonathan Mayberry in it. Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure at all, huh? All right. So my goal was, okay, I just don't want to be the worst story. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, we've been at conventions and stuff and a lot of people have come up and, and, and we've, we've hand sold that book to a number of people. And, uh, and a lot of them, when they find out that I'm the guy that wrote the combat exorcist story, they go, oh, dang. This is a well-reviewed story. That was, that was one of the better stories in that collection. It's actually like, interesting nice. that you mentioned Jonathan Mayberry. Because Jonathan Mayberry is probably one of the most prolific IP writers alive. Well, he's a prolific writer, period. I mean, probably him and Kevin. Uh, actually, yeah. I was going to guess. I bet. I bet. Uh, I'm not sure about this. But I bet the two authors that have written more IPs than any other is probably Jonathan Mayberry and Kevin Anderson. Probably Kevin Anderson first. Well, just because he's... Because he's Kevin and he's super prolific and he's been doing it a long time. Yeah. Uh, Kevin has written in probably every major IP there is. Yeah. I can't think... I mean, if it's an IP, if it's a if it's a series of books, uh, Kevin is probably in it. Yeah. Well, and look, and he's made a career of this. Oh, yeah. And the, and And all of that work has turned... Has allowed him to be able to create... All of his own fresh stuff. Well, and why do they always, why do, why do creators always go back to these guys? Because they're reliable. Because they've proven it. Yeah, they've proven they can do it. They've got their own audiences too, because each one has their own universes they, they work on. Um, but, they, but, but they keep going back to these guys because they can be counted on to deliver according to spec. That's right. And that, I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, you know, when we talk about uh, writing for you know, submitting work and stuff. We always say, follow the submission guidelines. Um, when it comes to this specifically to writing and IPs, guys follow the fricking instructions. Yeah. Big time. Um, big if you time. don't follow the instructions, yeah, you're done. You're done. And you might not get another chance. You know, one thing we have not mentioned is pay. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and, and keep in mind on IP writing guys, it will vary wildly depending upon the franchise. Um, yeah. actually there's some that pay pretty good. There's some to pay utter crap. Um, usually the bigger the franchise, not necessarily the better the pay. Some of the, some of the big guys are actually really stingy um, because some of the big guys are like, well, you should be honored to have your name on yes. one of our universe's books. We will pay you an exposure books. And then, and then you, you'll meet these, the writers and you're like, wow, I read like 50 books of yours when I was a kid and they live in a hovel because yeah. they paid, you know, they got paid no royalties or they got paid yeah. just an upfront fee. Yeah, a lot of the, the IP writing that, that I see done, um, it's work for hire, which means you're going to get paid one flat fee and then you're going to get told to go away. Yeah. And there's some though that do have royalties. Yeah. I mean, well, like the Monster Hunter one. Oh yeah. Like Monster Hunter. I was like, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I, as, as a creator, I'm proud. Uh, I take a great deal of pride in the fact that that pays as good oh, as it does. That was amazing. Yeah. I know. I, I helped some people make Christmas a few years. Heck um, yeah. but the thing is, um, don't, don't count on that. Uh, some of them, it's just going to pay you pro rate and then you're never going to see. Actually, it's kind of surprised. Some of them were, it's an anthology for various IPs that I've been in where I've written for another universe. Um, where it never, I never collected royalties off that, even though it's royalties are in the contract, it just didn't sell enough. Apparently. So some of these things you think of as like, oh, it's a movie. It's tied into a movie. It's going to be, well, just because it has a movie doesn't necessarily mean that the books are going to sell huge. Yeah. I mean, that said, um, 
Uh, if they asked me to write a Star Wars novel, I totally would just on general principle, even if it paid crap. Yeah. However. I do to prove a point. Oh, here, yeah. Here, here, here. The odds of that happening now with modern woke Disney are approximately less than zero. Oh, yeah. In fact, I was talking to, oh, I probably shouldn't say this because I don't want to out him because he's, I was talking to a guy. Oh, I know you're talking yeah, Okay, about. so I was talking yeah, to a guy the other day. He's one of the most famous writers in the world. This guy mm-hmm. is amazing. He's the top of his genre. He is a king. He's a superstar. This guy's a stud. Number one bestseller. And I was talking to him a little while ago, and we were actually making fun of Star Wars uh, yeah. novels now. And he and he said, you know, Larry, uh, if this was 25 years ago, me and you, guys like me and you, would be the first people they would have asked. Yep. He goes, and he, goes, he tells me, he's like, don't tell anybody this, but, I'm not saying any names, don't tell anybody this, but I would have wrote, I would have wrote that for free. Yeah. He's like, to, to be the original flagship reboot for all Star Wars novels ever, he's like, I would have wrote that for free. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sort of looking at this like, dude, Disney, you could have had this guy. <laughs> well, and, and now the best Star Wars novels aren't even Star Wars. They're basically written by They're Nicole and... Uh, Jason Enspech, yeah. Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, the Galaxy's Edge stuff. Yeah, actually, and so speaking of IPs, here's another thing about spinoffs of IPs. Um Nick Cole, who I want to get Nick and Jason on the show. Yeah, they're uh, great guys. I, they're good dudes. I really like them. Uh, Nick and Jason um, were looking at the modern uh, state of tie, media tie-in novels and Star Wars. They said, you know what? There is a market for this. People want grand space adventure, nitty-gritty bounty hunter mercenaries on desert planets, mm-hmm. you know, raggedy starships. There's a market for that. So they created their own universe. So they called it Galaxy's Edge. And it's kicked butt. It does good. It does good. And it's an independent franchise. And these dudes have worked it. They wow. have worked it hard. And they've done it well, too. They have great covers, too. Yeah, they're, they're actually their covers, their covers, covers are gorgeous. Yeah. Good artwork. Oh, yeah. No, but these guys tapped into the aesthetic that people like, and they delivered. Mm-hmm. So sometimes so, big mega corporations lose their artistic way. <laughs> well, look, the, I, I hope what you're all seeing from this before we wrap up here is – there is, there are goods and there are bads of writing for IPs. Um, and there are dozens upon dozens, probably hundreds upon hundreds of authors who have made a name for themselves doing this. Um, whether we're talking about, you know, Star Wars or um, Star Trek or Warhammer or whatever. I mean, I wrote for V-Wars. I were, oh, I, that's right. You did. Yeah, yeah. I was really bummed because if that if that show had gotten multiple seasons, I'm pretty sure season two. Your villain two, would have been in there. Yeah, because I wrote this badass villain, great villain, one of the best villains I ever created. If that show had made a second season on Netflix, I'm pretty sure my guy would have been the main villain. Yeah. Darn. Yeah, I know. Oh, well. Well, who knows? But anyway, look, guys, there's a lot of opportunity out there for you. And you just have to... When the opportunity comes your way, you have to make the best of it. Again, don't, when it comes to IP writing, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Like, your job is to entertain. Remember, that's what we always say. Your job is to entertain. And when you're doing that in an IP, your job is to entertain in that IP. So, according to the dictates of the people who own it. That's right. It's not a democracy, it's it's a dictatorship. And, Love it and embrace it in that sense. All right, everybody. We'll uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Take it easy. Better Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Korea. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Nivo. 
New episodes come out every Wednesday wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writerdojo, by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. I've got the black lung, Pa. Oh, my gosh. Okay.